Welcome back to the Energy Fitness Podcast. Today, we finally got the pleasure to have Carice Tressel on the podcast today. She is she's a really special person. She has a really special family. Her story is really special, and I know a lot of people are going to enjoy this one. Um, her and her family own and operate the Old Road Farm in Washington, Pennsylvania. It's a regenerative farm built on love and natural living, ancestral living, ways in which true health is actually built on the real foundation. Um, we love Carice. We love the farm. We love the products from the farm. Mm-hmm. Um, if you know anything about the way that Caitlin and I believe uh, nutrition should be, then you know that regenerative is and basically organic. and organic mm-hmm. is what we truly believe in. So, um, oh yeah, and she also used to be a naturopathic doctor turned now regenerative farmer, still a doctor, but super cool story. Yeah, so <laughs> let's let her talk about it yes. a little bit. <laughs> I want to say thank you and how amazing it is to be here. It is so cool to see what you have done and to uh, see what you are doing. There's such a need for the energy that you bring and the combination of what you know and what you believe and what you live um, in this community and having a place where folks who want to really be well not just to have big muscles or not just to be skinny, but who really want to be integrated can come and find community and inspiration and education. So thank, thank you. you for being here. <laughs> and thank you. Even just seeing, you know, your podcast lineup and realizing who else is in our community doing these cool things is yeah. really inspiring. So thanks for building community and uh, thank you for being yeah. a part of it. doing this. Yeah. Yes. So I am a naturopathic doctor. I am not currently in clinical practice. My practice right now is as a regenerative farmer because you can't have healthy people eating sick, dirty food in a sick, dirty world. Yes, yes, yes. I wish I could clap. (laughs) I clap like, yes. No, that's beautiful. And I think it's so cool that you, well, obviously you saw that with your patients, right? I used to coach my patients about what kinds of things they should be eating, what should they be looking for, especially in their proteins. They would ask me where to find it, and I would say, I don't know, let me know (laughs) when you know. Yeah. (laughs) Because you can't find this, what what we're growing on our farm. You can't find that in the grocery stores. It can't really be done on a big scale. Can you can you tell the listeners why regenerative is so important as far as like nutrients and amino acid profiles and all that? So I we yes. Um, (laughs) Regenerative is important. The regenerative aspect is important because of the impact on the earth. Right? So there are benefits to the nutritional profile of the meat because of how it's raised. But the regenerative aspect itself is related to how the, the farming impacts the planet, right? We are facing all kinds of crises, yes. human health crises, planetary health crises, that really are in a big way a result of our farming practices, yeah. Yeah. which nobody set out to do it wrong. Mm-hmm. And I don't fault anybody who's doing it differently than me, but the reality is that we are washing topsoil down yes. the rivers along with a ton of toxicity and creating dead zones and releasing carbon and there's another way that builds topsoil builds organic matter that's going to capture carbon that will allow 
rainwater to be held in the earth instead of to sweep the earth out into the sea <laughs> and kill the fish and yeah. <laughs> um, eventually kill the people. And yeah. well, yeah. yeah, right. So uh, the regenerative aspect is there for the earth, but a fantastic benefit is that it is the way to raise really healthy animals, and healthy animals means healthy meat. Mm-hmm. Right, so raising animals in natural environments, outdoors, with sunshine and fresh air, low stress, um, giving them the full nutrients that they need, you can't get a mineral from an animal that that animal's not eating. Yes. Yeah. yes. Right? Yes. Which we have nutrient-poor soils, so we offer minerals yeah. to our animals, <laughs> and then right? They help, then they put it back in the soil. Well, when, yeah. anything that they don't need, they're going to poop <laughs> yes. out onto my soil. So my soil is becoming more mineral-rich yeah. over time, mm-hmm. right? Um, so you've got cows and sheep are the ruminants on our farm. They eat 100% grass, so grass-fed, grass-finished. And then we have chicken, pork. Uh, we also do turkey seasonally. We have two kinds of chicken, layers year-round, and then meat chickens just mm. through the warmer months. Yeah. And they all work together. Um, we like to run them. The cows first, who eat the tall grass. The sheep come behind, and they eat the shorter grass and the plants that grow lower to the ground, the mm. forbs, which are like the broad, leafy yeah. plants. And then the chickens come along behind and clean up after the cows and the sheep. And what I mean by this <laughs> is if you've ever watched, have you ever walked through a field where cows have been? Yeah. yeah. Cows leave behind these huge heaping piles of poop that sit there and smother the grass. If you send a chicken through there, they're going to take that pile of poop and, and explode it. it. Yeah. <laughs> so you go from a dinner plate size pile of poop to like a baby pool <laughs> size spread out fertilizer. Yeah, they're just yeah. spreading the fertilizer. And as they do that, they eat all of the fly larvae, they expose the so- the uh, manure to the sunshine, so they That's, kill any parasites. That just like, it brings oh. me to a quick point, and I want you to get back to that, but I, we always see vegetarian-fed chickens like on the eggs and shit Ooh. like that, and that always bothers me. Yeah. Does that, does that bother the heck out of it you bothers, seeing? Well, <laughs> the alternative used to be feeding the chickens byproducts from the meatpacking industry, which is not necessarily better. But (laughs) there's a lot of plastics in like in places where they do feed like like hogs and chickens, they feed them the byproducts that a lot of that ends up being a lot of plastic in their feed when they do it that way. I I don't know, but I have no plastic on your farm. There's no, well, well, not not in their feed. (laughs) Um, I've seen videos like of cows eating Skittles where they just dump truckloads of candy with the wrappers still on yeah uh, i believe that yeah 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 and how are you gonna get nutritious Uh. meat out of that (laughs) i will say from a human health standpoint it's gonna be better to eat that beef than to not eat beef yeah yeah and that's something that i do feel strongly about diana rogers is that sacred cow the book. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yes. I believe deeply that humans made a deal with ruminant species like cattle and, and bovine, lamb, whatever, that we made a deal with them. We protect them. We mm. keep them safe for the majority of their lives. And then we eat them. Kind of like the same deal that's made with a lot of other creatures out there. Like, I, I believe that highly. And I know that's controversial for a lot of people. But 
we just kind of we strayed away from that a lot. We didn't keep our end of the deal. We kept eating them, right? But we stopped taking take care, care of them, right? Yeah, yeah. So there's some animal proteins where I, mean, I think animal protein is really important for human health. We are omnivores. Yeah. Period. Yeah. There's a lot of bio individuality as far as what intricacies of your diet might be best for you. And that might vary based on what you've gone through in your life. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Um, but generally speaking, humans need animal proteins yeah. and it's going to be better to eat a poorly fed cow than to not eat cow. But that's not true across the animal proteins. So if you yeah. take a conventional chicken or a conventional egg, the fatty acid profile in that meat is going to be detrimental to your health. Ooh. The amount of potential hormones and other toxicity mm -hmm. is not in, you know, gonna be health promoting there. I think that there's a big difference between a farm egg, a farm fresh yeah. egg well, from you your neighbor, you even on conventional yeah. feed. Yes. Yes. Much less like on our farm, they get a soy free certified organic feed. Yes. And the health promoting possibilities of that egg relative to an egg from a confinement farm being fed this feed that you were just talking about. It's so gross, you know, and it's so wild. So my mom has um, a handful of chickens, and it's funny that you reference that. And uh, she feeds her, my mom also owns a bakery. Um, so she will feed the chickens uh, leftover cake scraps. Oh, I bet she they love it. She gives oh, yeah. it to the hens yeah. all the time. <laughs> um, and obviously that's not very healthy for the hens. But it is just like her leftover cake scraps, like anything they got laying around, like the chickens just eat it. Um, and their eggs are so golden, even there versus like you going to a conventional egg, maybe um, from a store that's a store brand where it's the cheapest version of that egg and you can get a whole carton, right? Like uh, it's a good deal, um, but you crack open that egg and it that liquid is gross the egg color is gross it cooks it's rubbery it has no flavor it's thin um and then you crack open an egg even like how my mother feeds her chickens <laughs> and it's so golden and then i i crack crack open um one of your eggs and, and it's like orange it's like orange yeah. like it is like a sunrise on the beach orange <laughs> like i can't describe it um, and it's like so thick, and like it's so satiating. nutritionally dense, yeah. um, and it makes a huge difference. Like people will say, well, that organic egg, um, for one, we've been to your farm yeah. now a handful of times. We love going to your farm. Like I got the chills saying that because we live through you because we love them. <laughs> we love when you come. So we, uh, like, she, you'll offer to like meet us or, you know, whatever. And I'm like, or meet you in town in Washington. And we're like, no, we'll come to the farm. That's fine. Because we have seen your farm and we have seen your chickens and we've seen the beautiful layout. We've even helped, our kids got to help move the cattle oh, around, right. you know, or, and, or the pigs and sheep and move the fences and rotate them. And we all walked there and, you know, her little ones were there too. And it was something really special because they're all so happy and it felt so good mm. to be there and to see the property and to see the land and even to see her property versus the property across the streets um, was pretty crazy. And if you ever go on her Instagram, I shared one today of um, 
like her cattle mm. and eating like these beautiful herbs and plants that are growing up in these beautiful wildflowers. That is something so special. That is so beautiful that, to That's see. an important point too. Like not only is this food regeneratively raised and organic and natural, but it's also raised in love yes. and respect. And you can feel it. Mm -hmm. It really is an honor and a privilege to farm and to farm the way that we farm. Um, I am acutely aware that we chose this and that, that that's coming from a place of privilege. I got to choose this. I had enough autonomy in my life and opportunity in my life to be able to do this. Um, for the good of other people, though. What a really, oh, it's a hell of a lot of work. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, you, you guys would not believe how hard it was to get her here. We're, it's like midnight right now. Oh, We're recording man. in the studio. She finally had a minute to come see us. <laughs> um, but I used to go to the grocery store and stand in front of that egg yeah. shelves knowing that my kids needed, mm -hmm. I needed the choline and those eggs and the protein and... Um, the cholesterol, right? Every one of our body cells is made of yep. cholesterol. All yep. of our sex hormones, fats are really important, folks. Yes. Um, and not having any access to anything else, you go to the grocery store and there are 12 different kinds of eggs. And knowing that none of them, none of them, not the $12 a dozen eggs, not the $0.99 <laughs> cent a do uh, you know, dollar a dozen eggs, none of them, uh, really were what an egg should be. And that was true from a nutritional standpoint and from a human justice standpoint and from an environmental standpoint. Agreed. You know, animals yeah. raised in barns, okay. The working conditions for the folks that are raising these animals in barns, the working conditions for the folks that are raising the grain that are fed to these animals, yeah. the individuals in the processing facilities on the other side of things. Um, so to be in a position where we can we, the, the grain that we feed to our omnivores, which would be our laying hens, our meat chickens, our pork, and our turkeys, is raised on a regenerative farm within our 500-mile bioregion. Oh, that's awesome. So you even keep it as local as you can. As too. local as we can. Yeah, that's awesome. Wow. So it's that's, all That's important, that. too, yeah. It is certified organic. They used to offer non-GMO feed as well, and they did that because there were other farms in their area who were transitioning that they were helping to transition to become certified organic. So there's this period mm. between being a conventional farm and being a certified organic farm where you're an in-betweener, mm. transitional organic. So their non-GMO line existed in order to support these other small family farms in our bioregion so cool. to become certified organic. And they just sent out an email this last week saying, hey, the non-GMO line is going away because all of our suppliers have made the transition. Oh. oh that's cool. So that is the farm that we are supporting yeah. with our feed purchases. Oh. And they, that's cool. That's the circle. It's a regenerative grain farm. They plant cover crops rather than spray for yes. weeds. Cover crops, yes. Yep. They are actually, you know, it's hard to raise omnivores because it, they require grain inputs from off the farm. And so from a values, idealistic standpoint, you know, yeah. it gets a little bit tricky. But to get to support this farm and the farms that they support, who really are doing it in a great way. I'm not worried about the labor practices over there. People mm. getting a fair wage, people being in unsafe conditions, right? Yes. And then that grain comes onto our farm, and we do our best to, I mean, I do have unpaid labor. They are my children <laughs> and myself at this point, but, you know, we're working on that. 
Um, <laughs> and then on the other end, you guys probably saw the headlines about the kids who were working night shifts in the packing plants, yeah. cleaning. I think there were two different busts in the last half year. Kids under the age of 13 cleaning Sad. dangerous facilities. And let's not even talk about how dangerous they are during the day when those kids' parents are in there working. Right? These yeah, are when, when stuff's moving around, why yeah. Really unpleasant places to work. And we don't need to get into all the <laughs> oh, details. Some of that came out during yeah. COVID, right? About yeah. how uh, overcrowded and unsafe some of those places yeah. are. Mm-hmm. Um, but we get to choose to work with processing facilities that are family owned, that are Super clean, local. pleasant places to work. The people who are there love working there, you go in to drop off your animals or pick up your meat and it's like a party, (laughs) you know? So again, that entire process, all of the ends of it, our breeders for our hogs are local. We buy our animals from other family farms. Because the the chickens and the pigs are the omnivores, right? The cows and the sheep will eat the grain if they could get it. So we keep them separate because we don't want the sheep to be gorging on junk food. Right. So they go first, basically. So, oh yeah. As As far as so, the pigs are gonna root up the pasture. So they, when you put them onto the fresh grass, they you just hear munching sounds. It's really, really, really fun. I probably have some Instagram videos of it of them just mowing the lawn. But they make a pass eating their favorite plants, and then they'll stop and like dig down for a grub or a root. And the spot that they're on for winter was our vegetable garden. So it was full of plants taller than me, just as a dense jungle of weeds. It took them probably three days to decimate all of the vegetation. Ah. So they're good land clears. They are really good land clears. That's actually one of the roles of pigs on a regenerative farm, is that they'll take the spots that are turning toward bramble or turning toward forest or need to become pasture and clear it. Oh, yeah. cool. It, may, it makes management a little bit tricky because yeah. they will also lay barren. If you leave yeah. them in one spot too long, they will destroy it. So you do have to move them. Um, so their diet, they get the certified organic grain, but we do we limit feed them. So a lot of places that do pastured pigs are going to have a huge feeder that they just fill up and the hogs can eat from it at will. Uh, because we raise a fatty pig, if we let them do that, they would get overfat, mm. and we want some protein on there too. Yeah. <laughs> um, so we limit feed them to encourage the grazing as well as to moderate their growth, and yeah. then they help themselves. They get lots of any broken, cracked, dirty eggs can go to the pigs. Oh, the leftover yeah. milk from making butter or you just clabbered yeah. clabbered milk in excess of what we're using goes to the pigs and they love that it's very sustainable like that like because there really shouldn't be any waste if when you do it regeneratively so that's awesome that the pigs i mean they'll eat anything anyways yeah. but why not give them the good the good right. scraps <laughs> yeah like that. yeah like we could give them more scraps if we weren't in if the certified organic piece wasn't important which we are not a certified organic farm but we do operate organically or beyond organic. How hard is it? I I know I've heard people talk about how it's ridiculously hard to get that certification. Like, what do you have to do to get that? More record keeping than is within my capacity. (laughs) Let's put it like that. I mean, you're you're operating not just a full-on farm, 
but a family as well. Yes. And you're doing all of the work. Yeah, three kids, a couple of them homeschooled, a husband who's gone more than half the time. Yeah. yeah Kate um, knows that story pretty well too. <laughs> right? Yeah. For pork, for example, uh, to be certified organic, the hogs are going to have to be born under certified organic, which you can't get. Oh, so you... Piglets. So I would have to start farrowing yes, yeah, on property, yourself. which is one more thing that right now just seems... Like a lot. More than we can yeah. do. We've got a great breeder who does this. Our hogs are a combination of mangalitsa, which is like the wagyu of pork. Ooh. So they have this micro marbling and a really luscious fat with red wattle, which is a meatier, faster growing hog. So he's trying to look mangalitsa but not quite so fatty and growing a little faster a and i think that he achieved it good balance um, i was yeah. just gonna ask you that because you guys pick your breeds very specifically yeah. on the farm um can you go in detail on that because i loved that when we were on there and you explained all that yeah so the pigs right mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah we wouldn't be able to be certified organic because our breeder is not and i'm not mm -hmm. doing yeah. that <laughs> right so that was that um our cattle are a smaller breed. We have Jerseys who are a lot littler than a Holstein. They put out a more nutrient dense, much higher fat milk than the black and white Holstein. Um, smaller stature means easier for me to manage. Mm -hmm. yeah. And then our bull is a Dexter who is again, smaller still, um, but is meaty, beefy. Mm. It's actually a tri-purpose breed, so they draft and meat and milk off of a Dexter breed. Cool. So hopefully the heifer calves are still gonna be good family milkers. Yeah. Um, but the steers are nice and nice and thick to become mm -hmm. beef. They're small and so that means I can handle them. It also means that they're more gentle on our land. We have a lot of clay, heavy, soggy soils. And if I were to try to put an Angus on our farm, my soil would be super compact. You know, we're on a slope um, and they would just, they would destroy it. Uh, right, so that's stuff the cattle. Stuff you don't even think about, right? No, I know stuff that I definitely didn't think about three years ago. Um, the sheep we raise are Katahdin, who are hair sheep, so they shed, which means they don't need to be shorn. So that's something. Yeah. One more thing that I don't need to learn yeah. right now. Um, that are very parasite resistant. They have really good feet. They have great temperaments. Uh, we do raise Cornish cross chickens. And that is the industrial chicken, the same Tyson chicken raises that same breed. And that's the breed that you hear all the terrible things about, about them growing so fast their legs can't hold them, or their breasts being so big that they topple over, or whatever else you hear about them, which I'm sure is true, but it's not because of the breed. <laughs> and the reason I know that is I've gone three seasons of raising them now, and at eight weeks old, so industry standard is to butcher at 42 days. Um, we typically go between six and eight weeks. Mm -hmm. um, and at eight weeks old, they can still outrun me. We have to, when it's time for processing and it's time to catch all the chickens, <laughs> we have to do it in the evening when they're settling down for bed or it's gonna take hours of circus and stress. There's no and just toppling yeah. over and they no, can't move. There. Yeah, no, there is no broken legs. There is no, like they get up and they, they see a grasshopper, they get up and they are after it. Even at seven, eight weeks old as a, what's gonna um, butcher to be between a four and a half and six pound carcass. So they, they get big and they do grow fast, but when you feed them well and give them fresh air and sunshine and a full 
array of vitamins and minerals. You know, it's not like they are these Frankenstein birds. (laughs) And so we could do a more heritage bird. Um, It would take me twice as long or more to raise it, which means twice as much or more grain inputs and all of the trickle-down effects of that on the environment Plus the cost. Yeah, yeah, I was just gonna say it would yeah. cost people so much. More. It would be like a sixty dollar bird. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The cost of the feed, the cost of the labor for that much time, yeah. the um, limiting how many birds we could have on the land because of it taking twice as long per batch of bird. True. And then you wouldn't get as much meat off of it. So it feels like the responsible thing to do if mm-hmm. we're trying to balance all these factors is to have a bird that's gonna grow as big as possible in as little with as little feed in as little time obviously not going to the extremes here but right but yeah be, be as efficient as possible yeah because it, it, it's a business after all like you, even though you're doing everything the right way you have to do it the right way that still supports your family and as i well. want my community to be able to afford it i yeah. want my community yeah. to be able to eat it and it to be you buy a chicken you expect a certain amount of meat on that chicken yeah you don't yes. want to be disappointed that the meat is a different shape different color and half the <laughs> quantity that you've paid double the price for yeah. and what yeah. kate was talking about it's fucking delicious anyway it's, so like it, it's literally the best chicken we've ever had in ever has <laughs> and like um i was just going to ask you this so you gave me those hens. Um, the stewing hens. Stewing hens. How yeah. old are those chickens? Uh, between one and three years. Okay, so those are the or- From the batch that you had, yeah. Uh, those stewing hens. <laughs> she was like, you don't really have to eat the meat off it. You can make it out of broth. You can make like tacos out of it or whatever when you pull it apart. <laughs> I made a broth out of it. First off, this broth was so thick and beautiful. I ended up making three crocs out of this hen. And then... Um, we ate all the chicken off the hen and Trenton was like, which hen is this? And I was like, oh, it's the uh, stewing hen, you know? And uh, I was like, it's her older chickens. And Trenton was like, wait, are you sure? It's not like the yeah. hen that we cook in the oven. And I was like, yeah, positive. He's like, this chicken is so good. It's it so good. Like, it was so good. So good. It was so, good. Good. <laughs> it was so yeah. juicy. It was so, so this broth, uh, usually like typically from a beef broth obviously depends on what bones I'm using, right? Like if um, you cook a lot of bone broths, uh, if you use like knuckle versus oxtail versus like, you know, just some random bones you got cuts of, it's gonna totally change the broth color, the broth texture, um, entirety. Uh, I never cooked a chicken broth uh, up until that point. I only ever oh, okay. done beef or okay. I've done beef, bison and elk um, bones, but I had never done chicken. chicken. So I threw the hen in and I just cooked it in the crock. That's how easy it is. You just cover it. You just take what it probably like 12 cups of water and you put it in and you put it in the crock with the hen and you leave it there for the next like 12 to 24 hours. Until you can get to it. Yeah, Yeah. you can get to it. Um, And that's it. Uh, The broth was so golden, so thick, and it was way thicker than any other broth I had ever made, even with oxtail, even with knuckle bones, you know. and it was so juicy. It was so good. Yeah. So <clears throat> those are the retired Lang hens. Ah, That's okay. the difference there. So we raise two different, right? The meat chickens are only on the farm until between six and eight weeks of age. They're only raised in the warmer months. Mm-hmm. And that's a, that's a summertime thing. Chicken really is a seasonal food, right? You can't have chicks being born true. in the middle of a winter storm. Yeah. They're not going to make it no matter Very how great point. of a mom mm-hmm. they have. It's true. Yeah. Very and especially then if they're going to be trying to be raised by us out on pasture or whatever. Yeah. Um, 
But the laying hens mm -hmm. do a great job of laying for their first year or two, and then their, um, their lay rate drops okay. precipitously. So if you are trying to feed a community and to have hens who pay for themselves with their egg production, you are going to use them for egg production while they're laying really well. Mm -hmm. And at the point where the scale tips and you're putting in more feed than you're getting eggs out, they get used as a different kind of food, which is the stewing hen that you were just talking about. Yeah, I'm like literally salivating. <laughs> <laughs> I literally can't control myself. So you've got two years of them eating bugs and grass and so being beautiful. out in the sunshine. So as healthy as they can possibly so, be. I mean, they're, they're a yellow color yeah. because yes, of yeah. all of the beta carotene in their fat from being out there eating. Which is vitamin A, essentially, <laughs> yes. right? It's, yep. Yes, all yep. the vitamin A inside. And actually bioavailable vitamin yes. A. Yes. Because not like... That's huge with yeah, meat. Um, huge. Meat obviously is very bioavailable, all the minerals in it, yeah. all the vitamins in it. Your body's very quickly and able to digest and break it apart. Um, that's what our bodies are good at doing. That's what they have been doing. That's what they're capable of doing um, versus uh, a different style diet where you were eating predominantly other grains or fruits or vegetables. The, it takes a fruit is a little bit different but for vegetables especially raw it takes the body a lot longer to process that and ferment it because the body has to ferment that food before it actually breaks it down where like meat is a little bit different our body is ready it's ready to digest this this protein which is these proteins especially pregnant are the building blocks of every cell in that baby's body including your body and that's why it's so important to get the right source when you're working out and this is your passion because you're rebuilding it yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah you know talking about pregnancy and and little kids that is a huge shared passion of ours mm -hmm. um that is why I went into naturopathic medicine in the first place. That's why I became a holistic nutritionist. Ex yes, is mm -hmm. uh, the, the ability to affect generations. Yes. And oh, give me chills. that you, you really need to work down there when they're little or in the pre-pregnancy and peri-pregnancy time. The, the having optimal nutrition right there not even optimal nutrition but having good nutrition good getting enough nutrition. even just good. enough iron and enough iodine yes. and enough active animal-based b12 yes and folic acid folate not folic yes. acid but folate folate yeah having um those things in place uh, i mean like like you guys talk about all the time affects the dna it affects yes, it totally and i don't know how many people think we've talked about this before that um a female is born with all of her eggs. So when a woman is pregnant with a daughter, she's carrying her grandbabies. Yes. The, the quality yes. of those eggs is happening during that pregnancy. And they will <laughs> yeah. be passed on. And they 100%. will be passed on. And I bet we could expand on that and talk about energetic yes. things and whatever as well. There's some really fascinating studies about um, the environmental factors going on during pregnancy and how that affects the grandchildren. I love that notion that like we're raising our that. grandchildren. We, yeah. yeah, I, you know, the very first time I got that concept, like actually literal, was I saw a picture and it was like something I saw on social media, and it was like the grandmother who is pregnant with the mother who is pregnant with you, mm. right? Like so, it was this really. I'm very visual, so it was like a visual concept yeah. for me, and I was like. 
holy shit, she's right. Because I, you, like you said, we're born with our eggs when we're in fetal. And um, everything that mama is consuming is directly building, right? Yeah. Like, uh, whether we want to face that or not, I get it. Like, it can be hard and difficult to wrap your mind you around that. Guilty. None of us are perfect. No, <laughs> no, no, no. None of us make all no, the right choices anything. all the time. Like, especially pregnant. So we, Oh, yeah, my gosh. Yeah, just I eat get anything. <laughs> yeah. Eat something. Make sure you're eating. Right? Yeah. Um, but as long as you know, yes. I think, and you're educated, and you're like, um, and you take the guilt out of it. You just take the education from it yeah. and apply it, yeah. right? Um, it could be so much better. You can have such a, a very healthy pregnancy. You can lead a very active pregnant life. Right. And then, you know, talk about weaning kids. On, you know, first foods, not weaning, but just in food introduction mm-hmm. and the benefits of that being liver. Yes. And egg yolks. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, our family right. was so judgmental. Bone broth. <laughs> <Our> raw <laughs> milk. Raw bone marrow and raw liver too. And like yep. kidney and, and heart. And, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Man. And the oh gosh. There's, <laughs> there's these a, are things that are really yeah really important. They're super important. Yeah. That's like in utero is for women. In utero is so important to get those nutrients. Like uh, Shanna Swan has a good book called Countdown, okay. and it's about fertility going down dramatically. Yes. And, and for men and women, mm-hmm. and that in in utero stage, specifically for boys, the fetuses, it is extremely important for a mother to eat the proper things because that boy, in particular, in utero, needs certain hits of testosterone at certain stages. And if she doesn't get the proper amounts of cholesterol and folate and a lot of the other yep. vitamins that you that you threw out there, then that boy will live in his most of his life until he probably. Um, hurts himself or gets hurt in some way um, he's going to live a pretty bad life and there's a lot of evidence in that so that it's a really great book though and I, I might add that in the show notes to the the Shanna Swan book yeah really I don't know that on one a lot of what you're talking about I think she's a fertility doctor it's obviously very important when you're pregnant they're like just just know and just know what you're consuming does indeed create baby um obviously take the guilt out of it and birth more fat <sighs> easier your birth is. I could validate that. My first pregnancy, I uh, was just getting certified in holistic nutrition. I was also taught differently by the person I was studying. Um, It was a totally different diet. I followed a totally different diet for a very long time where I consumed 80% of fruits, vegetables, maybe 20% meat. Um, And it took me a minute to come around to it and I had to really research it and study it and play with my body and see how it happened. I will tell you by my third pregnancy and switching over to a high dense bone broth diet, very fatty, lots of fats. I was afraid that fat was going to make me fat. And it's mm. so, when I think about this, you so and sure. anybody else who lived yeah. through the eighties and the nineties, <laughs> I like think about it. I'm like, where was my brain? Um, but that's what you think. And I will tell you, I had such a good birth story, um, with the last pregnancy mm. and recovery and you know our womanly parts i recovered in that pregnancy uh very quickly and healed very well um and i will also say my stretch marks were very minimal with that pregnancy yeah Yeah. and usually by the third pregnancy you start you would even notice more i even used um like i used tallow and things Mm -hmm. like that for my stretch marks i also used coconut oil on my belly when i was pregnant um and i noticed a lot of healing yeah (laughs) Yeah. No, that makes a lot of sense that fat is just 
It's beautiful. We could and should eventually, when we're not so tired, do an entire podcast on fat. <laughs> some other time, some other series. Right. Um, you were talking about fertility. Are you guys familiar with the Pottinger's cats? No. Uh, no. No. Francis Pottinger was a tuberculosis researcher studying cats, cat adrenal glands oh, in I particular. Yeah, okay. Yeah. yeah I'm, I'm on okay. the same page now. People learned of what he was doing and started dropping off all of their cats. And soon his cat supply exceeded his food supply, which had been the scraps from the butcher shop. And so he started feeding them other stuff and he watched their health change so dramatically that he paused the TB research, which was really huge and important at the time, and switched to studying these cats and their diets. And so he took the cats and divided them into three different groups. And I'm really good with broad strokes, not so great on details, so look it up, don't, don't uh, latch onto exactly how I describe it, but something like 30% of all three groups' diet was the same of cod liver oil, raw liver, and raw milk. So they had a solid foundation of some good nutrition. And then one group got raw milk and raw meat, one group got cooked milk and cooked meat, and one group got cooked meat with sweetened milk. Hmm. And then he watched what happened generation after generation. And the raw milk, raw meat group just maintained vibrant health. They maintained facial structure and bone density and fertility. Whereas the other two groups over generations, this was the first time we saw allergies in a cat. Whoa. Whose pet does not have allergies these days, right? Mm -hmm. This was the first time um, that some of these, these common arthritis, these That's things crazy. that are all of the things that are happening in humans yeah. right now, we're happening in these two groups of less well-nourished cats, including infertility. So after X number of generations, they became totally or almost, I'm gonna, it must not have been total infertility because he was able to put them back on a nourishing diet and restore health and vigor over a period of generations. That's so crazy. And you know, research was different at that time, and so he was able to do all kinds of crazy things like, um, you know, kill the cats and weigh their carcasses, weigh their bones. And you can, he's got pictures of yes. the bone density on the well-fed cats relative to the bird bones on the cats that are That's being fed sweet and condensed milk. And the way that their pelvis has changed, the way that their jaw bones change. It was a mirroring of the work that was being done by Weston A. Price. Yeah, who right? Who yes. traveled the world, looking at indigenous groups, yes. um, and specifically their facial structures relative to their diet, and what happens when those groups' diet changes. It was you know that, but sped up because of how quickly Francis Pottinger could have generations of cats. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. Um, but if you you can take those cats and just zoom out and see that that is what has happened to human health since say the fifties quickly here in America mm -hmm. yeah. over generations. And I do think, you know, that a big part of the fertility stuff that our nation is facing is related to the poverty of our 
diet, which comes from a poverty of education, but also just a gross miseducation. You cut up the arteries of somebody who's suffering from a heart attack and you find plaque in there and it looks like lard Mm -hmm. and you think, oh, that must be what this is. (laughs) And so you put out a hypothesis and everyone says, great, it's done. But all it ever was, was a hypothesis. And it takes 50, 70 years say oh no no it's actually the sugar yeah and then how long does it take from us knowing this scientifically to then it being accepted in the medical community to then it being accepted in the wider community it's 50 years i mean it really is yeah and then you have to throw in the slowing of the corporations that are funding this trying to keep that the narrative because they're making billions of dollars so you know you kind of keep your head down and do your thing and have these one-on-one conversations and give people the most nutrient dense food that you can grown in the most responsible way for the earth and our community and our wider community as possible you want to talk about the carbon footprint of regenerative farming i don't know if we touched on on that yet just like how regenerative farming is actually carbon neutral Whereas, because that's our climate problem for the most part. Yeah, well, so because of the way that um, the effect of the animals on the land when they're managed in a regenerative way, you increase the amount of green stuff growing on the soil um, really with every pass of the animals. So the animals lay down their manure and the chickens scratch it in and the animals disturb the soil a little bit. They prune the plants and the plants respond to all of this by growing more. And that process grabs the carbon, right? um, They're trampling plants, they're building the soil organic matter, they're affecting the microbiota Mm -hmm. in the soil and all of this is is, is how we can capture carbon and put it there keep it there in life yeah contra to plowing and tilling and destroying topsoil and all of these things that are carbon releasing so you know we do use fossil fuels on the farm we put diesel in the tractor and the tractor helps us get done the things that we need to get done Um, i wouldn't go so far as to say that our farm is carbon neutral but i can without any qualms say that if this kind of farming was adopted wide, widely. This is the answer. And there are people who are much better spoken about this than I am. Um, I agree with that notion, though, 100%. But, but yeah, because like even quickly touching on uh, like the no-till motion, right? Like we didn't, we read a book. Uh, who was that? Dirt to Soil by Dirt Gabe soil. Brown. You've, mm. you've maybe heard. Yeah. He, he's in a documentary, too. Okay. A he's pretty, super, pretty good on super cool. He helped very similar, created an organization, helped farmers get educated in no-tilling and farming organically and sustainably. And all these farmers, right, like, they're already kind of, they had been in ditches for generations trying to make money. So they're like, well, why would I do that? That's the expensive way of doing that. That's like the new age of thinking. And he was like, no, this is this is the original way of thinking. This is not new age. This is not fad. This is not like, I'm going to slap a sticker on it so I could be cool and get all the young people to eat it and spend their money. It's, it's taking it back, taking back how we did this. And, um, organic is the original, right? It is not the new, it's how everyone did it for a lot of years. I don't want to say a million because that's probably not true, (laughs) but, um, Right. So the regenerative 
that mob grazing practice that I was talking about, we're trying to mimic what was done on the high prairies and in the savannas mm -hmm. where you had these herds of animals that would move into a land and move onward who were pressed by predator pressure to keep moving. So they'd drop their manure, they'd eat what was there to eat, they'd move on <clears throat> to fresh pasture, fresh land, whatever, um, and do that. And then the birds that followed along behind them, cleaning up their mess yeah. and dealing with the parasites and spreading the fertility. That's a huge and thing. We just read a study that the bird population is down by what fifty percent? Oh, it was a big was. number. Yeah. Like from nineteen eighties? No, that's from nineteen eighties. We yeah, just forget read the this. percentage. It and the reason lot. why the wild bird population, like I'm talking, like your songbird population. Yeah is down 50% because of pesticide usage. Yeah. And so they do not have bugs to eat and to feed them. So they're just dying. And then these Ugh. bugs that they are eating, or they're being sprayed with pesticides, the songbirds, and so they're just dying. So imagine like, like my parents grew up in like the 70s and 80s. I'm like, so what my parents saw as kids like, and what my kids will see versus songbirds, like, to be cut by 50%, what will their deal. kids, like, I that, I mean, that's our why, right? Yes. Like, our why is our kids. Uh. And then when, when Kate and I talked about that the first time, you brought up a good point about what does that mean about the bugs? Because our insects are what pollinate our our plants. Well, we know that there's a huge pollinator problem, and only people only yeah. ever talk about the honeybees. Yeah, yeah. that's all Which they that's talk not, about. <laughs> yeah, there's you know, those so aren't much our major pollinators. No, the, the flies yeah. actually do a lot of that. Flies and beetles and well, I mean, all you, of the bugs know. whose names we don't even know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, so somebody else work. does know, but I don't. So much work, and then in the soil. That's what I was going to ask you. So you've been there for three, four years now. We're, we'll be three years. This week. Oh, oh well, congratulations. congratulations. Yes. <laughs> Have you had a chance to, like, I don't know if you did this or not when you first got there, but did you, like, take a sample of your soil to compare it to whatever it would look like in the future? So we have not. We have the soil testing kits, and we have had them for two and a half years. We have <laughs> not put any soil into them and sent them away because that has just felt too hard. You've been very um, busy. But, <laughs> yeah. but when we got there, we went looking for worms, and there weren't any. Mm-hmm. And now you can't take steps without finding them. You lift up a rock and it's just a the pile of worms. You have a rainfall and it's just worms. The worms that we saw recently were, you know, as thick as my finger and as oh, long as you know, longer that. than my ham. Oh my god! And the pigs too. Yeah. Yeah. That's the yep. other thing you totally don't think about, like when you're buying organic and regenerative. Like all the things we discussed. Like if that wasn't convincing enough, they. The uh, bugs that live under soil, right? Like these worms. You're giving these worms better lives. You're giving these worms, uh, you know, healthier lives, and in, in return, give it to well, animals. Well, we re we rely on those worms to yeah. liberate the nutrients from the soil and make it available to the plants. Yes. yes. Right. The way that the the bugs and the bacteria and the fungus and the plants all work yeah. together in order to release the nutrition that we rely on. Yeah. Whether we get it directly from, from eating plant matter or we get it even more efficiently through another animal. It's a big um, circle. It's all it's, it's all there. Yeah. Yeah, and like you, there. you talked about the fungal, like the, the fungal network that is mm. able to thrive in that environment connects it's like the nervous system of of Mother Earth and it connects all the plants all around your farm all to each other through this nervous system of the it's crazy network. it's yeah. so crazy but it's so important for their own yeah. survival like i think the book um the secret life of plants talks about i think i don't know if that's lynn mctaggart or not but the author talks about how 
plants can literally transfer nutrients through mm-hmm. the fungal network. Right. In big normal farms that fuck up the land, they destroy that fungal network so there's no communication. So plants can't even share nutrients where they, like an oak tree has a, a yes. seed over here and she wants to send some nutrients to yeah. her to her baby. She can't because there's no fungal network to communicate on. And she might not even know that her babies are suffering and plants communicate in this way. Yeah. And we overlook that so often, but the, it's almost like the movie Avatar where the plants communicate and we're like, oh, that's so crazy. But that our planet works that way right. too. And we, right. we so overlook that. Yeah. I mean, and just the trickle down of that, right? If the the plants inherently have a way to, the the earth wants to be well. This is something I know as a naturopathic doctor is that your body wants to be well. So when you have a symptom of something, it's the symptom is not the problem. The symptom is your body trying to take care of the problem. And the earth wants to be well too. The earth wants to be abundant and lush. And when you start interfering, then you start breaking things. So like you're talking about, uh, if there's a, a, a bug attack on a plant, the yes. other nearby plants with an intact fungal network are able to respond to that. Mm-hmm. But when you interfere with that fungal network, now you as the farmer have to use more pesticides. respond to that. Yes. And everybody is weaker. Yeah. yeah. Well, and the price of that too, that's what that Gabe Brown talks about a lot, which regenerative farming is that like, he talked about how the first couple of years were hard. <laughs> But then he talked about how much money he was saving because, like you talked about earlier, the soil is retaining water, so you yeah. don't have to spend all that money on water. He's not spending all the money on pesticides because the animals are taking care of those pests right. the way that nature intended. Yeah. And plus, um, something else someone else talked about was that, maybe it was white oak pastures to talk about, um, the difference in the bug species because when mm. you plant a thousand acres of corn, you get all of whatever bugs right. like corn. Yes. When you do it your way. Yeah. It's more diversity. Exactly. Yeah. That diversity. Okay. So we talked a little bit about the importance of nutrition, pregnancy, pre-pregnancy, peri-pregnancy, if you will, and in little kids. But I think it's important that we also acknowledge that you can have had a childhood of Pop-Tarts and Frosted Flakes <laughs> and come into health and wellness as an adult. hundred percent. And heal and be vital and yes. your body is still going to respond to the positive nutrition and is we rebuild our bodies all day every all day the time. is it every seven years that all yes. of our cells have been Literally entirely yes. replaced <laughs> um and so the baby steps matter drinking enough water and letting that be multi-pure filtered clean water yes. and getting you know the even if it's just a bite of liver here and there getting enough supplement protein Mm -hmm. like adequate amounts of protein balancing your blood sugar having some bone broth eating some even some veggies you can be a train wreck and your body is amazing the way that i've watched our land respond to us being there now i walked into this not knowing anything about farming i had read some books Mm-hmm. That was the extent of it. I had had cats and potted basil plants from Trader Joe's <laughs> prior to buying 62 acres and committing to feeding my family in a responsible, me feeding my community in a healthful, responsible, ethical, sustainable way. Well, you're winging it turned into flying. The farm, so <laughs> well, the farm had been used uh, for breeding horses, Arabian uh-huh. horses. There had not been any animals on the land for probably 15 years, but the pastures had been used for crops. Mm-hmm. And it was stubbly 
and it was full of briars. The first year that we cut hay, you couldn't grab a bale of hay without thick gloves on because you would be full of thorns. There are no briars in our pasture anymore. The grass is so much thicker. It grows so much taller. There's so much more food there for the animals. There's more, we talked about the worms, like just in less than three years, we've had this huge change and your body's gonna respond that same way. So I think it's really important that people understand that they can come to your fitness studio without any experience with a kettlebell or a bar or yoga or deep breathing. No, I like it when they don't. Like and <laughs> and have a transformation. Yes. And it will take a little time. Or they can start by drinking a little bit of bone broth. And if it has to be store-bought, so be it. Although I tell you, take a whole chicken, <laughs> put it in your crock pot. It does not need to be a stewing hen. It take, can, what, yeah. take whatever whole chicken that's been raised Seems. on a farm like mine. Um, Put it in your crock pot. Cook it until when you grab the drumstick, the bone slides right out. Yes. At that point, let it cool down enough that you can handle it (laughs) and grab off all the soft bits. If it's soft, you can eat it, right? So Mm -hmm. as much of the muscly, meaty parts, pull those aside and then cover those bones with water. And that's all you have to do. That's it. It's that easy. If you want to add garlic or onion or Or, carrot or salt or vinegar, vinegar, then go for it. Right? And yeah. put it on low and let it go Walk for away. 12-ish, 12, 24 hours until you remember it again. Yes. Shut it off till it's cool enough to handle. Strain it or strain it as you go. Like, just use your little. Yeah, drink it in do. the morning. That's a lot um, of times what we do. You know, and your, your body is going to respond to that. So quickly. So quickly. Uh, but, Anne, like, like, let's not loot anybody, right? You're going to yeah. feel better, and then you're going to feel worse, and then you're going to feel better, and you're going to feel worse. And this is part of the healing process. If you imagine that you started up at the top of this, you've got this pristine waterfall at one end, and you've got, like, down past the rocks and the rapids, and then down at the other end, you have the floating tire and the fish that's belly side up. Most of us are somewhere along that <laughs> in our picture. health journey. Yeah. Some of us feel like we are barely clinging to that tire as we struggle with high blood pressure and migraines and PMS and stiff sore joints. And others, others of us might be sitting on top of the rocks with the rapids where we've got a little bit of you know monthly headaches or mood swings. Mm-hmm. And you're somewhere along that river. And where do you want to be? Probably up at the top at the source of that waterfall, right? Yeah. How do we get there? Well, we have to go through all that stuff. But you get there, you get there by swimming. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> and whether sorry. that first step is getting enough water, getting enough protein, making better choices about your carbohydrates, moving your body, ending your shower with cold water, yeah. taking some deep breaths, doing some forced laughter. Yes. Yeah. Um, all yeah. of these things are how we paddle up that stream. And we can all do it. We can all get there. We're all there. We're all equipped. I I couldn't agree more. Yeah, <laughs> I, I love kidding. that image. I really it. couldn't agree more because it's it's 100% true. The body, I always say, like if I have a client, um, and it, it, whether it's someone coming into the gym and it's in their health journey, and maybe they were an athlete in college, drifted off, right? Like we all do. And then they got back into it, whatever. Um, maybe it's with food. Maybe they ate really healthy, but it's been eight or 10 years since they did. Um, and then I'm always like, I always say this. I'm like, okay, so it's been eight or 10 years since you worked out hard or ate healthy, right? They're like, yeah. And I'm like, your body's so immaculate. 
I promise you'll be pretty close to the goal you want to set to yourself probably in a year. It took you eight to 10 years to fall off the wagon and get to this point. I, I could almost promise you within a year, you're gonna see really true signs of your body overcoming health issues and being probably past your goal, if you stay adamant with it. Probably past your goal. Yeah. It only takes your body one year. Then people are like, um, but that's a year. But that's a freaking year. You did 10 years of damage, lady. <laughs> like, your body's ready to recoup in one year and fix mm, you. You were more confident than I was in practice. I would let people know that I expected we'd be in a very different place. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a safe but way to put it. I also probably yeah. saw people, the folks that I was seeing were not ready to walk into a gym or work with a trainer. Yeah. They were a little <laughs> further down the river a lot of times. I always try, um, you know, I always try, because there'd be people in class and, they're like, you know, maybe they're struggling a little bit. For one, I never want you to feel out of place ever on your health journey because I've been there. I've ne I did not work out a day in my life until I was 22 years old. Um, I did not eat healthy growing up mm -hmm. ever in my life. I gained a ton of weight my first pregnancy, even though I was studying holistic nutrition. I did not eat prime. I still went to DQ twice a day. Like, you know, it felt like anyway, and not literally twice a day, but like <laughs> those blizzards. Um, it wasn't until like you said, you start swimming, you start getting deeper. I call it dominoes, but it, you paint a very picture too. And then you get deeper and deeper in this. And I always explain to people in class, I had someone that said that they felt they weren't strong when we were in something. They said, sorry, I'm not strong yet. And I was like, don't say that. And then she kind of looked at me and laughed and I looked at her so sternly and I was like, no, don't say that. And then <laughs> she was like, okay. And I was like, no, because it's not that you're not strong. You, you took your strength to show up today. It took your strength to yeah. sign up for my membership. It took your strength to wake up at fucking at six in the morning and show up here and come to this bar and be brave enough in who you are right now to be next to me, to be on this bar, to be trained by me, you showed up. Yeah. You are fucking strong. Yeah. <laughs> and you're gonna be yes. even more stronger, I promise you, by next week. Yeah, yep. say it's, girl, say girl. I like, I can't <laughs> preach that enough because I wanna be here to help. I'm yeah. here of service. That's why we're doing this. That's why yeah. you're doing this. Mm -hmm. that, that's For a sure. big part of the podcast mm -hmm. because we know through our journey that it's way fucking more than just waking up and doing some push-ups. No. Mm. Like it's, there's so much more work. And like you said, like, like nutrition is, a giant part of that if you you can give your body twinkies all day long and get the calories that you're supposed right, to right. get yeah but it, if you're working out with twinkies the results are going to be trash right. if you're working out with bone broth regeneratively yeah. raised grass-fed and finished beef you the results you're going to get are going to be threefold at least it and then if you put in some spiritual yeah. work you do a cold shower yes. you do some breath work Sauna. you fucking laugh and have a good life yeah. like it's all going to compile into this ball of energy that's uh, going to turn you into the baddest people can be so well so good. Yeah. and here's the thing like going back to that image yeah. the current is going downstream yeah so when you're wanting to go to that cleaner pure place you're having to swim upstream some work which does take consistent work and when you get there you still have to swim yeah, yeah you can't and it stop. gets easier and more beautiful and more fun and you yes. start loving it right but the current is going downstream. And so we all end up back at DQ from time to time, right? And in places where that is what we're doing. And, yeah, or, yeah, um, your kids suck you into getting ice cream. And then <laughs> summertime, and you're like, oh, that cone looks so good. Oh, okay, whatever. Whichever, you know, whichever, whatever it is, whether it's, you know, thinking yeah. or working out or yeah. how you're eating, what choices you're making, the people you're hanging out with, whatever. The current is downstream. 
And so then you're, you're going to be swimming upstream and it's harder to get started. It's yeah. easier once you're going. It's also easier when you're swimming with other fish. Yes. yes. That are like yeah. minded. So when you have community yes. and you can break wind together and, you know, move up, up, move up the stream, it makes a big difference. And I so, really like that image. I do uh, too. I like it's the way that's like, painted. Yeah. yeah the life's, uh, it goes back to life's a journey, right? You're always putting in the work because you're always experiencing new things. What an, a beautiful thing. Um, and also kind of an overwhelming thing, but really what a beautiful <laughs> thing, right? Because we have the opportunity in life as souls in our bodies to always grow. Mm. Yeah. Wouldn't it be so freaking boring being <laughs> your 18-year-old self for your whole life? Oh, gosh. <laughs> right? Like, I, I would not want to be. Like, you know, I, so what a beautiful journey to always have the opportunity to push yourself to, to get there, Right. Well, I'm glad to have you guys, you know, in my little school of fish. <laughs> yeah, let's Us go too. on the stream together. Me too. <laughs> Me too. Let's grow. <laughs> it's painful, but it's good. <laughs> All right. Well, yeah, well let, where can people find you? Yes. Okay. So, yeah, we are here in Washington, Pennsylvania. All of our meat and eggs are available through our online store at our website, theoldroadfarm.com. Um, if you are local, then you can come and do pickups at the farm. We have a couple of drops around south, southwestern PA, South Hills, and in Pittsburgh. Um, but you can follow us on Instagram or Facebook, and it's just The Old Road Farm. So there is another Old Road Farm, but put the the in front and you'll the. find us. The. We are the, the Old Road Farm because our driveway was the original road. The main road through the town would have come up right between our house and our barn. Uh, so it obviously it doesn't anymore now it's on the other side of the creek mm -hmm. but the old road farm <laughs> and then we're kind of taking the old road right we're trying to get back yeah. to the oh, older yeah, yeah. ways of doing things yeah. we're trying to take the things of the older ways that were the good things <laughs> beneficial things uh, yeah Symbolic. so we are on the old yes. road yep I like it. I like right. that. So like the old road farm. Yeah, and if you follow her on Instagram or Facebook, she does a lot of local drops too, like she said, and she does a lot of local markets. Once the weather gets warm, she works through uh, Sweatnet as well. Mm -hmm. And um, if you are a membership, have a membership here in our studio, uh, you will also we're get working together. Yes, we yeah. are working together because we believe in this very passionately, and we love them. So if you do have a membership inside of our gym, uh, this is the farm we talk about, that we tell everyone about to order food from. This is her. This is the lady. I want to feed you. Come yeah, find me. Yeah, she wants to feed you. <laughs> All right. I'm going to... Okay. So I've been doing this thing, like, just at the end. What would be your last closing statement to just send to the viewer, I mean, listeners, if there was anything that they get from this? What would be your sentence? Yeah. Be grateful for your food. Mm, I like Whether it. it's an Oreo or a grass-fed liver, intention. Is before it. you eat it, take a deep breath and feel some gratitude, mm -hmm. and then. You just made me feel gratitude saying it. <laughs> no, that's a good point. A we good are point. grateful for you joining us. Today. Yes, thank me too. You. Thank you. All right.